Hi, Pastor Rob here from Blessed Hope Chapel and RobCartledgeMinistries.com. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Bibles to Revelation. We're continuing our study of Revelation verse by verse. This is part eight, and we're only up to Revelation 1 7. So, and I've got a feeling we're going to be in 1 7 for a, for a few sermons because um, I really wanted to break this verse down and, uh, you know, help you to see the fullness of this um, doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Put your hand up if you believe Jesus said he's going to return. Yeah? Now, we don't know if it's going to happen in our generation, but certainly the signs of the, are showing that there's some, you know, uh, things taking place in the planet which Jesus said would be taking place, and it's escalating, escalating out of control. So um, certainly it's like birth pains that quicken and quicken and quicken as the baby's getting nearer and nearer and nearer to being born. So... It's, it's scary in one sense, but it's also exciting in another sense because, you know, this is what Jesus says will be the sign of his return. And now, who knows that the preaching on second, the second coming of Jesus Christ is little taught these days in church. A lot of pastors don't want to go there too much because it's, it's a, a topic that, I don't know, maybe upsets people, makes people uncomfortable. But I think it's a wonderful topic. You know, this is the blessed hope, the return of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's, let's take a look at this. Revelation 1.7. Revelation 1.7, it says this. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Every eye. And every eye comes from the Greek word uh, pas. And it means all, whole, every kind, every eye, every kind of eye. So that could even mean all of nature. You know, every seeing thing. And I believe every eye in the universe will be on this spectacle. Amen? Because you think it'll just be, you know, Jesus is coming in the clouds, but the people in the grave are going to see him. The dead will see Jesus Christ. Every eye will see this event. So if, if someone claims that the second coming has occurred in years to come, if every eye in the universe hasn't seen it, if there's not people being raptured from their graves and all this sort of stuff, it's not Jesus. You know, it's not Jesus. If he, if he flies straight to the UN and says, I'm going to take over the UN and, you know, I'm going to be the leader of the world, that's not Jesus. What's Jesus going to do to the UN? He's going to topple it. He's going to topple the world system. And there's going to be a great battle called Armageddon. It's going to occur at that time. And I'm going to show you all this in Scripture, and I'd, I'm hoping to get through it today. I, I doubt it because there's just too much here. But it, this is going to be a riveting study for you, I hope. So look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even, though, uh, even those who pierced him. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn. All the peoples. 
will we be mourning? We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to be jumping for joy. There he is. He's our God. I told you, I told you, I told you. <laughs> he's coming. He always said he was going to come, and you used to mock me. But look, he's here. And they're going to be mourning. They're going to be weeping. They're going to be diving in the caves saying, fall on us. You know, rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who's just arrived. It's going to be a scary time for the unbeliever, but it's going to be an awesome time for the believer. So, And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, and so shall it be. It will be that way, and that's, that's what's coming. The coming and the return of Jesus Christ. Are we to be prepared for that time? Are we to prepare our hearts? Well, I'm going to read you some scriptures where it says, get ready for the return of Christ. Be watching and make sure you're doing right things. Make sure you're living a righteous life in Christ. And we'll go through those scriptures very soon. So those who pierced him, that one is an interesting one. Some say that that is referencing the Jews and the Romans, you know, just the people group, you know, the people that pierced him. Others say that it is those of us who rejected him are the ones that pierced him. You know, they did. But I see it in two ways. All those in the grave will see the coming of the Lord, even those who actually pierced him. So the actual people that pierced him in the graves will see him, and all those in the graves will see him. But I also see it that, and did we not pierce him? Was not our sins who put Jesus on the cross? Who knows it's our sin that placed Jesus on the cross? If we don't sin, if we weren't a bunch of sinners, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. So even those who pierced him, we all pierced him. And that's going to be the revelation. As much as we're going to be rejoicing, we're also going to be, you know, we're going to be feeling remorse as well. What did we put you through, Lord? What did we put you through? And we should be feeling that every day. We should reflect on the cross every day. We should be taking communion every day. We should be looking at what put our Lord on that cross. And it should spur us and motivate us to not do any more of that sinful stuff to live a righteous life, just to honour him for what he did for us. Among believers, the timing of the return of Christ is a hotly debated topic and has resulted in a number of conflicting doctrines. Uh, some do not believe that Jesus is to return in the normal sense. They say that he is to or has already returned spiritually. Jehovah Witnesses preach that. Jesus already has returned. Um, but Acts 1, 9 to 11, if you've got your Bibles... Have your Bibles open today because I'm going to be taking you through quite a few scriptures. 1, 9 to 11. After he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus had just uh, commissioned the disciples, the Great Commission, told them what they got to do and told them about the power that's to come and that to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He just said that to them. And then he was taken up before them and before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, as you would be. You know, you'd be looking very intently. I can still see him. I can still see him. Uh, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Don't ask me who they are. We won't go there. I've got my suspicions. Uh, men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, 
will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I'm, I'm, in many respects, I'm a literalist with the Bible. If he says, if it says he's going to, the same way you saw him go into heaven is the way he's going to come back, that's it for me. I know how. Oh, he's going to return spiritually. No, he's not. Acts 1, 9 to 11. Can't return spiritually. He's got to come back the same way we saw him go into heaven. End of story. But, you know, cults like Jehovah's Witnesses, you can't get that through to them. They don't see it, even though it's, it's plain in Scripture. Among unbelievers, the reality of Christ's return is debated as to whether it will even occur. Now, let's have a look. Turn to 2 Peter 3, 3 to 14. And it says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing. And following their own evil desires, and that, guess what they're going to say? These scoffers are going to say, where is this coming? Where is it? We don't see it. Where is this coming, you promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Everything's been going on as normal. But the, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and with water. And science verifies that. By water also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. So what's this present heavens and earth reserved for? Fire. So I always say, if you want to see the world in its current state, Take a look now. Get around and see the world now because it's going to be burned up. I hope he retains a few landmarks, but I don't know the extent of this. Heaven and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Don't be among them. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day so it's really been two days since Jesus left. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. The only reason Jesus is delaying is not to stress us out. It's because he's patient. He wants people to turn from their sin to the living God. He's being patient with us. We have a long-suffering God, a patient, enduring God. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And I'm going to talk about that, that this doctrine of imminency, which is based around that. I want to talk about that soon. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. There goes my hopes for a few landmarks getting reserved or retained. Or... Since everything will be destroyed in this way, listen to this, guys. This is to the Christians. Since everything is going to be destroyed in this world, every, every precious thing that we put our, we covet and hope for and love and and idolize and worship in this world, every one of these things is going to be destroyed. And so it says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? 
What should we be? What kind of people? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. You ought to live holy and godly lives. Why do you think Peter's saying that to the church? Because he knows the church can live unholy, ungodly lives, the people of the church. Who, who among you as Christians have, have sinned? Yeah? Have you sinned since you've become a Christian? And you've got to be more than a week old as a Christian? Yep. So does becoming a Christian make you more aware of sin? Makes you see it more clearly. It makes you realize, wow, I just did, oh, I can't believe I just did that. So, what should it do? What keeps a man holy? Repentance. We have the grace of repentance to keep coming back to God and saying, Lord, I stuffed up again. But you know what? If it eats you up a little bit, let it eat you up a little bit because it can help you to not do it again. You know what I mean? One of the, the, um, the, the distinguishing features of the early Christians was their holiness. They were impeccably holy, impeccably godly. If, if the Apostle John walked in here, it would be like the presence of God would come in here and knock us all flat on the ground. It would be so awesome to be around a man of that level of godliness and holiness. Not that we worship him, it's just they were that close to God. Are we called to exactly the same thing? Do we have the same Holy Spirit that they had? So let that, the Holy Spirit outwork that in you. Let the Holy Spirit bring this out in you so you become just like them. Because that's what we're called to. We're not called to any lesser Christianity. We're called to the highest level of Christianity. We should attain, go for that. We should uh, reach for the highest level of perfection in the, in the faith that we believe in. Amen? So we have also seen cults and religions which have been formed as a result of false predictions of his coming. Did you know that the Jehovah Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists, I'm not calling a Seventh-day Adventist a cult necessarily because they don't fulfill all the features of a cult. They are a very legalistic religious group. Now, they were both formed out of, out of uh, prophesying of the return of Christ by date. And thousands of people got behind them, and then they were very disillusioned when Jesus didn't return, obviously. So they then reset their dates, and of course, Jesus didn't return. And so these cults and religions, legalistic religious groups, came about through false prophetic predictions. And that's how they got their followers. Now, Jesus Christ didn't return for these people in the way they expected. However, according to Scripture, we can ascertain that Christ will indeed return. Just because they didn't return, does that mean that he didn't return when they said, does that mean he's not returning? He's going to return. We can ascertain that Christ will indeed return and even gives us very clear and specific references as to the season. Who among you feel you're, you know, from what you know of Scripture, who among you feel that we're living in the season? Yeah? Are you getting a sense of that? Right? But I ask you this question. Have every generation had a sense of that? Why is that? 
Jesus wanted to keep us all on our toes. He didn't want to say, I'm coming, you know, 2028 or something like that. He didn't want to say that because then if you're living in the 15th century, you go, oh, we got years until Jesus returns. I'm not going to be around. You know what I mean? He wanted to keep us on edge. He wanted to keep us on our toes. So, and that, that's, um, and, and it's even in Scripture. I'm going, to find, I'm going to read you the Scriptures where he says that. Even, you know, uh, Peter saying, the current heavens and earth are going to be destroyed by fire. So what kind of people ought you to be? You've got to be holy. You've got to be godly. And that's what God wants from us. He wants to live as if, Jesus, as if he could return tomorrow. He wants us to witness with an urgency. Reach people with an urgency in our spirit. Not, you know, oh, you've got plenty of time to turn to Jesus. Take your time, mate. No, you could. This is the thing. The return of Christ could happen at the next stoplight to you. You could be driving down the road and someone will come and wham into the car. You're dead. Where do you go? It's destined for man to die once and then after that to face judgment. And if you're a Christian, what does it say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the return of Christ is as close as a lifetime to every single one of us however long or short that is. Revelation 1.7, well, that's the scripture I just read before, but I'm going to read it again just to get it back into your minds. So keep your Bibles open now. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, and so shall it be. Now let's turn to Matthew. Go back to the start of the New Testament. Matthew 24. As I'm doing this sermon and I find scriptures in relation to it, I just can't help but read large sections because if I read small sections, I always feel like I'm, we're not getting the full picture. I tend to like to get, keep the context of where that verse is in relation to the paragraph that it's in or the, or the section that it's in. So Matthew 24, 23, and it says this, At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, Or there he is. Do not believe it. Do you know I'm I'm, I'm planning to do a video, and I don't know when I'm going to get the time to do it, but I'm planning to do one um, of all this video footage of false Christs around the world claiming to be Jesus, and they're amassing to themselves thousands and thousands of followers. Who's seen some of those Christs on on YouTube? There's heaps of them, heaps of them. Even in, in Australia we have a guy that's now gone bush and he's got all these followers out there with him. You know, and th- this is just more and more evidence that we're closer and closer because there's more and more and more false Christ rising up. And the funny thing was, it says, and I think it says it here, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. And there's other verses where it says, if someone says, that, look, here he is in the inner room, you know, do not go. Or out in the desert, and there's one Christ. The, oh, they call him. So he calls himself Christ, Jesus Christ, who lives in Queensland, and he preaches in inner rooms. He hires little community centres, and he has people come to him, and he stands there and says, "I just want to set set you straight. I'm Jesus Christ. This is Mary over here, Mary Magdalene. She's my wife. You know." And you're like, "Come on, you're fulfilling prophecy, but not in a good way." <laughs> 
And then there's another guy, a Russian guy, who's out in the wilderness, and he's got thousands of people coming out. They're all living naturally, organically, and thousands of them go to him. And he's out in the desert, just like Jesus says. So it's interesting, isn't it? So if anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, this is verse 26, and here is the scripture. Do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms. That's where it was, just the next verse. Do not believe it, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west. Isn't it amazing these cult followers, they don't read that? <laughs> like if, you, if someone says, oh, come out here and, and meet Jesus, you know, he's, he's out here in the desert, wouldn't you firstly go to the scriptures and go, okay, what does it say about that, you know? That's what I would do. And there's Christians living Christian lives their whole life, and they still get deceived by guys like that. It's amazing. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So these false Christs are evidence of how close we are to the return of Christ. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather immediately after the distress of those days. So when? Let's read it again. Immediately after the distress of those days, what's going to happen? Joel 2.28, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Terrible, terrible times. Immediately after those days, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Where did we hear that? Revelation 1.7. All the peoples of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And what is he going to do? So at that time, after the distress of those days, and the sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. So at that time is when the rapture of the church will occur. Revelation 3.11, this is a scripture to the church in Philadelphia. It's a, an epistle written by Jesus. Revelation 3.11, and it says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of God. So hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you have. Why would Jesus say that? Anyone know? You could lose it. The two Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through to about 8 or 9, describes, among other things, the great apostasy. The great apostasy that's going to take place on the earth is when there's going to be a massive falling away from the faith. Masses of people... As before the return of Christ, masses of people are going to fall away from Jesus Christ. They're going to give up the faith. And I think we're, we're, we're seeing a setup for that at the moment in the modern church, especially in the West. A setup for a, a, a great falling away of people. So, and Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24, verses 9 to 10, where he talks about the love of most growing cold. Brother betraying brother. Now, he's not talking about normal brothers. He's talking about Christian brothers. Brothers betraying brothers to death. Right? So we, we see from 2 Thessalonians, we see from this, and we get told, hold on to what you have. 
So just in the face of persecution, hold on to what you have. In the face of someone possibly, potentially wanting to harm you or even kill you for the faith. And this is the shocking thing that has to be taught in the church and it's not getting taught, is, especially in the Western church, is are you prepared to lay your life down for Christ? Are you prepared? What did Jesus say? If you love your life, you will lose it. But if you despise your life in this world, you will find it. Or if you lose your life in this world, you will find it. And that has many different applications. But one of the applications is directly, are you prepared to lay your life down? If anyone does not take up their cross and follow me, they are not worthy of being mine. What's taking up your cross really mean? When Jesus took up his cross, what was he doing? <laughs> he was going to his death. What's happening in these countries overseas at the moment? Are there men and women and children, Christians, being hunted by Islamic terrorists, Islamic groups? And they're getting cut down. What happened in America last week? How many people? Nine? Three men, six women. Imagine that happening. You know, we're having our little prayer meeting. Someone walks in with a gun and just takes us all down. I'm just wondering what words were said to those Christians before they were shot. Because usually, uh, I know from, you know, the Eastern country, M Middle East and all that, that they're, they're offered freedom if they, will not if they would recant of their faith. I'm not saying that this guy did. But the Muslims will normally give you an opportunity to recant. If you recant, you get to go free. But Christians over there know that they would rather die than recant because recant is not a very good thing in the eyes of God. It's, it's frowned upon. So I'm saying this because these are the signs of what's coming, what's coming upon the earth. It's coming upon the earth heavily in some parts of the world. Are we exempt at, at present? Are we exempt forever? No, it's, the Bible's very clear. It will come upon the face of the whole earth. Everyone on the earth. It will come upon. No one will be exempt. You know, there's going to come a time in Re Revelation 13 where everyone will be forced to take a mark with, it, with which they will, without it, they won't be able to buy or sell. Now, when that occurs, it also says that those that refuse to take the mark... Uh, will be beheaded. So it's going to be some terrible times. Now, it, we don't see this here, and thank God for that. Amen? Pray that we can escape all that is about to come upon the earth. Pray that we can escape it. But also, have it in your heart that if, at, at, a, at a point that, that you will not recant, that you will hold to the faith, ask for the Holy Spirit, because you know what? You can't do it in your own strength. I reckon the strongest man alive would still fear that moment. But by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, he can help you to go through anything. Tell me, what happened to 11 of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ? Who knows? What happened to, I think it was three to 5,000 Christians in Jerusalem after the stoning of Stephen? Anyone know? Great persecution broke out about, I think it was 3,000 or 5,000, I can't remember, were, were killed.
for the faith immediately after Stephen was stoned. And then a great persecution broke out and the church scattered them all through uh, those, those nations surrounding them. So be ready because with the return of Christ, with, with the joy and the hope and the expectation that Jesus is going to return, there's also this knowledge that Jesus gives us which is also frightening, which also expects us to raise our standard by the power of the Holy Spirit because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him and he'll raise a standard in us. Now, I don't want to hark on that too long, but God's just made me uh, very, very, uh, feel very strongly to impress what I just said upon you um, because even though we're exempt from it here, our brothers and sisters in, around the world are not. And does that mean that we're not part of that church? No, we're connected to it. They're our body, right? They're our eyes over there. They're our ears. They're our hands and our feet. That's where the real Christianity is being put to the test. These guys are being refined and purified and made spotless before, before God. And we should be praying for them and we should stay connected with them through prayer and through thought and through consideration. Okay, what if I was in that position, what would I do? Let that challenge you. Let that really challenge your faith. Amen. Now, uh, 3.11, the 13th, have I read that? I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Wow. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Who wants that name written on them? Put up your hand if you want that name. Who wants that crown? Yeah. City of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear. The city of my God, I'll be talking about that soon. Matthew sixteen twenty seven, And it just simply says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory, in his Father's glory, with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. He's going to come, and then after that, he's going to reward each person for what he has done. So keep that in mind. Matthew 24, let's go back there again. Matthew 24, there is so many scriptures on the second coming of Christ, and I, I didn't want to leave many out, and I haven't even started. So this will be a few parts in this sermon. So Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days of before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. We're living in a society, a sitting sit duck really, aren't we? Not many people believe anymore. Even Christians don't believe as they should anymore. You know, we get, we're getting to a very watered-down level of Christianity. And this is what God's telling me. Preach about my coming. Let them know I'm going to come. Let them live as if I could come any time. Cause them to live that way so that my people will be spotless before me. You know, we've got we to preach about this, and we've all got to preach about this. 
and tell others that Jesus is coming. The signs are of the times are here. Tell them. Give them an ultimatum. Even if they, if they seem hard and they go, yeah, yeah, right, mate, I don't want to hear all that. You know, they can't help but think about that afterwards. You know, God does a work in them afterwards. God starts to speak to them in the night. You know, who's woken up in the night and you hear those words going off in your head, you know? What happens if Jesus does come? Is Jesus real? You know, and then I've always found when I talk to people about Jesus, I go and pray. I go and pray that God will do something in them. Always follow up your witnessing with prayer. It's really important because it can be, it requires the Holy Spirit to do a work. Who knows that you haven't got the power to convert a soul? Yeah? Who knows the Holy Spirit has? Yeah. 2436. So, for in the days before the flood, this is verse 38, the people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's what it's going to be like. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Be ready. Don't be a foolish virgin. Be prepared. Have oil in your lamp. Be filled with the Spirit walking out your faith with righteous acts. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You know he's going to catch us all by surprise. Just make sure you're not doing something you shouldn't be doing when he comes because it will be a very shameful moment. Just stay filled with the Spirit. Who then is faithful and wise? And a faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household. Who is this faithful and wise servant? And to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I'll tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. Don't ever say that. He then, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and eat, with, uh, eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect. Why did Jesus say that about his servants eating with drunkards? Eat, sorry, eating and drinking with drunkards? Who knows that there's so many Christians today that still drink better than the heathen do, get drunk more often. You know, I know of churches where their youth group meet on, at, at bars on a Saturday night and stay out, go clubbing. They meet with their youth pastor, drink until they're drunk and go out clubbing. And of course, they can't get to church Sunday morning, so they go to the Sunday evening service. What's going on in the church? So we're not called to that. That's not what we're, we're set apart. We're set apart for Christ. We're not to, you know, we're free from sin. I always say this, we're free from sin. We're not free to sin. Grace is not a free-for-all. Grace does not mean that you can do any wicked thing and God will forgive you. If you're willfully sinning, be careful. Because the blood of Jesus will be of non-effect. Repent 
And repent means to turn from sin. Stop doing it. Doesn't it? Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, 64. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. On the clouds of heaven. It's going to be an awesome time, guys. How can someone stand on a cloud or sit on a cloud and fly a cloud? It's, you know, I know monkey used to do that in monkey magic thing. <laughs> but I don't think it's like that. You, know, you have this picture of, of a cloud. But it would be an awesome spectacle, Jesus coming on the clouds. Mark 8.34. Mark 8.34 to 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it if for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What can man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, if you're ashamed of the words of Jesus in this sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. See how he... He tells us how to live for Christ. He tells us what sort of Christians to be. He tells us that if you're ashamed of me and my words, and then he says, well, I'm coming. And when I come, I'm going to be ashamed of you. He turns it straight back on us. And that's why every generation thought Jesus was going to come within their lifetime. Because Jesus wanted them to think like this. Jesus wanted them to be that transformed by the knowledge that Jesus is going to come and he's going to, he doesn't want to find you sleeping. He doesn't want to find you drinking with drunkards. He doesn't want to find you sleeping with prostitutes or sleeping around. He doesn't want to find us, you know, watching porn on the computer. You know, he wants a spotless bride and he's coming to get it. And if there's only a remnant left, that's who's going. That's why he said, many will come before me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And he said, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers, you workers of iniquity. You called yourselves Christian, yet you were you're more sinful than the pagans. God is coming for a holy bride. He tells us, and you know, there's, there's seven scriptures right there. That's seven of around about probably 30 to 40 or more that I've got in this sermon. And I'm, I haven't even started this sermon, guys, so it's going to be a part two. But who's seeing what I'm talking about? Yeah? Can you see it? This is urgent. This is urgent. Because not only is... is are we going to face Jesus soon in the sense that, you know, our life is just a whisper, just a, like a blade of grass here today, gone tomorrow? 
we're going to face Jesus in our life, but we could face the actual, we could possibly, there's a possibility that he could, re, he could return in our lifetime. And let him not find us sleeping. Let him not find you sinning. What did John the Baptist say? He said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with it. And that was before Jesus even began his ministry, he was saying that. That there's fruit that will be evident. You will know them by their fruit, Jesus says. If we're not producing fruit, there's evidence. The other thing, Jesus says that it's those who do the will of the Father who will be received into the kingdom of God. We must do the will of the Father. Who knows you're saved by grace and grace alone? Yeah, is that true? I am not preaching a work salvation. Because if you call doing right things works, <laughs> you've got the wrong idea of works. You know what works is? Is helping someone do something good for them. And you should do good works. So that faith without works is dead. You've got to do good works. But holiness is a requirement for the kingdom of God because he died to make us holy. And unless we're holy, we will not see the Lord. Unless you repent, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And repentance is not just, I've said sorry once in my life to Jesus back 20 years ago. That's not repentance. And I've lived rotten life ever since. Repentance is a daily commitment. It's like dying to yourself every day. It's like waking up in the morning and saying, okay, Lord, I'm putting off sin I don't want a part of it. I'm putting on Jesus Christ. I'm going to live a righteous life today. I'm going to do the right thing today. And that's what you've called me to, and that's what I'm going to do. Paul called that, he said, I die daily, brothers. And I mean that. I die daily. He says, I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What happens when someone's disqualified? If you're in an event, just say you're, you know, I always see disqualifications in the walking race. It's a terrible thing. They're just about there. They're at 200 meters to go. It's disqualified. You bent your knee. <laughs> Who's seen that? Isn't that terrible? It's like, come on, let them have a bent knee once in 26 miles. <laughs> but disqualified means you're out. <laughs> you can't win now. You can't go any further. You, 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 you know, you, you're not in it. You're out of it. Don't get disqualified. Beat your body. Make it a slave so that after you've preached to others, you yourself will not be disqualified. Beat your body. That means holiness. It doesn't mean works. It means holiness. And now, this is the final thing I'm going to say in relation to this. Can we become holy on our own? It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit of God alone. Now, if someone's not getting holy, what that tells me is their relationship with Jesus is, is not that good, not that strong. They're not praying enough. They're not reading the Word enough. They're not looking to Jesus through the day. They're letting go. They're getting lax in their faith. Because a true follower of Christ will actually follow Christ and do what he did. And do, do what I do. That's what he said. Take up your cross, follow me. So that's what we're called to. And do you know why I say this? Because I'm teaching a sermon called The Second Coming of Jesus Christ, 
and it's about preparing for that time, and that's how we prepare. Amen. We prepare our hearts. All right. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for the honor of being able to preach this message today. Lord, I know um, I fall short, far short of what I should be in you, Lord. And I know most of my brothers and sisters here would probably uh, feel the same way. And so, Lord, we just pray that this week and from this point in our life, that this be a turning point, that this be a point where we get our life straight with you. We walk according to the Spirit. We receive counsel from the Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit will counsel us and guide us in the way that we should go. And that we would walk in all that you've called us to, Lord Jesus. We need you to do this in us because we, we can't do it on our own. But that's why you gave us the Holy Spirit, so that we could do it. So that we could become like you, that we could be your ambassadors, that we could bring your revelation and your truth to this world that so desperately needs it. So I pray, Lord, that you help each and every person here to prepare for your coming, to prepare themselves in their hearts and their minds and, and uh, in, in the way that they focus on their life, the way they follow you, the way they uh, look to the Scriptures, the way they pray, that everything would change and start to align with your will. So I pray you can do this in each and every one of us here, Lord. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that this week will be a, a fantastic week for every single person here that they will be uh, challenged by this message and that it, they would make some corrections if it's needed in their life so that they can follow you and walk after you in a way that is uh, honourable and right. So, Lord, just bless this time now as we come into fellowship together and I pray that uh, you um, just help everyone to be in unity and uh, that we'll just have an incredible conversations together um, and uh, that your spirit will just permeate in every single conversation. So I pray this in your wonderful Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine and end times. Feel free to check them out.